Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod, episode 239 for October 11th, nope, September 11th, 2017. Today's guests are Dietz and Leah, they're undercover photographers from two websites. One is called The Evidence Box, the other is called Unparalleled Suffering. And I'm your host, Michael Herron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. And as such, I have some pretty diverse tastes in things. So on this podcast, you could hear guests ranging from activists to musicians to pastors to authors, whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for a little over 11... No, I need to change that. A little over 12 years. Hello. I'm writing it down right now. I won't make that mistake again. I'm so sorry. How do you spell 12? W-L-V-E. 12 years. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelherron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at Michael Heron. Leave a voicemail at 347-460-1753 or email mikeypod at gmail.com. Sincerely, I would really love to hear from you if you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy it. If you hate it, uh, say hello. <laughs> Okay, so I'm back in Brooklyn. I just went on tour. If you're a new listener, thank you for listening. And um, I was on tour with my show, The Animal Show, for two months on the West Coast and Texas and Arizona, all the places, uh, in a car, driving in a car. It was really fantastic. It was really surreal and pretty amazing. And also, like, what? It felt surreal planning that trip. Uh, I'd never done anything like that. And I traveling with a solo show... I'm new to just writing a solo show, really. I guess this was my second show, but I'm still in this world of like, oh, I do this now. Okay. (laughs) It just doesn't feel, I I don't know. It's kind of like when you're getting older, uh, older people. I'm 48. When I was, I I saw a friend when I was in Seattle, my friend uh, Jessica, who I haven't seen in probably over 20 years. And we were, we became friends when I was maybe 19 and she was like 15 uh, and she was in this club numbers in Houston that we used to go to. Uh, she had a fake ID. Uh, and I remember we would drive around and be like, what do you think we're going to be like when we're 40? Like, and when, at that time I was imagining uh, like just, I would obviously have like some kind of job in an office because that's what 40 year olds do. Uh, so uh, like, it's just that surreal nature of my life being a little bit different than that. I'm, it, I don't know that I feel like, I guess I'm not a grown up yet, like on some level. So I just have this surreal feeling about who I am and what I do most times. So this was one of those times that I was like, oh, now I'm driving around the country um, performing a show that I wrote for people and they're coming to see it. Uh, mind you, not huge crowds, but like nothing embarrassing. And, um, it was pretty good. So I'm back in New York. I start teaching a little more this week. Uh, well, a lot more, honestly, and I'll be working on some other projects. Um, yeah, uh, I I have some things coming up. I don't have the dates right here. Um, I'll put them up. The animal show is happening again in November, November 8th and 9th and, uh, go to compassionarts.com. Well, actually it's not officially being promoted yet, but, uh, toward the end of October, I'm, uh, going to be presenting at this really cool thing at Symphony Space in New York City. Um, some of my music, I'll have a string quartet with me, um, electronic music, some stories, some um, explanations about where this work came from that I do. Um, it's going to be really cool. I'm super excited. And then Our Hen House, which is a, another podcast that I work on, I edit and uh, do social media for, um, ourhenhouse.org. We're going to be doing a radio play there. We'll be performing it live to be released on the podcast. So more about that later. Save the date. I think it's uh, October 21st. If I stretch out my words while I'm waiting for this calendar to come up, it's October 22nd. Uh, And yeah, both things are the 22nd. But listen, the whole weekend is going to be amazing. And I think it's pretty cheap to attend the whole thing. Um, Lots of like really interesting artists, um, content creators who are doing work related to uh, animal rights. So it's totally worth going to. Um, Yeah, so go to that, and I'll see you there. It's going to be I'm actually pretty amped. Huh, what else do I need to tell you? I think that's really it. Oh, yeah, I, I made notes of myself. One of, the, one of my notes is, where's the content? So while I was at, one of my plans and what I intended to do with this trip was to release videos on the road. Um, I over committed. Um, I have, I took a ton of pictures and all the pictures are up on my Flickr page. I'll put a link on the, um, on 
uh, the the show notes for this podcast. Um, but it was a lot. It was a lot. I was volunteering at these sanctuaries. Uh, I was pre- prepping for my shows. I got behind on footage, and I, I'm slow at editing because I'm really new at it. So I'm going to start churning that stuff out. Now that I'm back in Brooklyn, I've had about a week since I've been back. Um, so it's time to get back to work. Um, writing new stuff, um, releasing this content. I have, some, I have some interviews that I did before I left um, for this podcast. Uh, one with a band called Beethoven, uh, And then the Vegan Moes, who've released a book. And they're on a book tour right now, um, NYC Vegan. Uh, so I have an interview with them, too. So that stuff's coming up. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm sorry, I guess, but I feel sort of like, okay, like, I I guess, hmm, I learned, (laughs) you know, like if I want to do a thing where I'm only releasing media on a trip like that, I can't be doing anything else. I, I think that's what I'm learning, you know, like, and that's the thing, like part of what was so valuable about this trip was the work that I did, like working with these 2000 chickens, I was at a, at a sanctuary that rescued 200 chickens. It's called rescued ranch in California. Um, as you may or may not know, when a factory farm, a factory egg farm is done with their chickens after like two years, they stop laying as many eggs, which is super unnatural. And the fact that like, the, oh, it's crazy. So after two years, they don't lay as many eggs. But those, the number of eggs that they're laying is still horrific and still super unnatural and still terrible for their bodies, but it's not enough for the egg producers. So they will wipe out their entire flock. The particular place that these chickens came from had 70,000 chickens. And this place was able to rescue 2,000 of them. So these 2,000 didn't get gassed. Um, but they're, I, they'd been there for a month and they were just gaining weight and just starting to look like they weren't, I mean, to me, to my eye, I'm used to seeing chickens at sanctuaries that have been there for a while, uh, but they were just rescued a month before and they looked really skinny and it was sort of like, oh my God, these chickens look so ill. And that was after a month of recuperating and being fed and having sun and all that. Uh, y'all, if you're eating eggs, <laughs> cut it out. If you're doing anything to animals, please stop. It's, there's no humane way to do any of this stuff. I went to, uh, don't even get me started. I think we talk about it in the interview, but I went to a humane dairy farm, quote unquote. Um, it was sad. Like they had space, like they could walk around, but they were also, their babies were still taken away from them the moment they're born because they don't want the babies drinking the milk. They want to sell the milk and they have to keep having babies because that's why, that's how it works with mammals. You have to have a baby <laughs> to produce milk. So the babies, the males wind up in veal crates, blah, blah, blah. I, I didn't want to get into like a preachy thing. It's just like, it's, it's shitty. Like if, there's, if you're consuming an animal product or using an animal in any sort of way, just know that some animal somewhere down the line is getting fucked over if it's not the dead body that's on your plate. It's somewhere else. And it's a whole way of thinking that we got we to gotta step out of it. Um, here's the hope. Animal Rights March, New York City. Over 2,000 people were here. That was amazing. All right, so that's enough for today. That's sort of a catch-up. That's what's going on. I really want to get to this interview because Dietz and Leah are among my favorite activists, if not my favorite activists, um, and they're just fantastic. So I want to play this track from my pal Will Shish. Uh, If you recall, two years ago, on uh, Mikey Pod Live. He was one of the guests. This track is called Tell Me It's All Right and After This. Oh, wait, I think there's a whole blurb I left out of my whole thing that I'm trying to be professional with. If you like this always free podcast of the many other things I create, tell a friend, leave a review, like, subscribe, all of the things, and especially I'd love your, your support at patreon.com slash Michael Heron, where you can get access to all kinds of cool stuff in exchange for as little as $1 a month. And literally, I don't care if you support me for only a dollar a month. Actually, if you don't support me at all, that's okay too. But if you want to support me and all you can afford is a dollar a month, I'm literally thrilled about that. Uh, I'd love to connect with you on Patreon and I'd love your help in covering the expenses for this always free podcast and the other content I create everywhere. Enough about me. Let's, here's Will Shish followed by the interview.
Suffering and the Evidence Box, Dietz and Leah. How dare you? It's called Unparalleled Suffering Photography. UPS Photography.com. And we just went through all this. I fucked up. <laughs> so uh, let's get serious because this is serious business we're talking about. They have a lot of places you can go find them Instagram, Facebook, websites, Patreon. We'll talk about all that stuff, but go to MikeyPod.com to subscribe to this podcast, and you can find links to all of their stuff. The work you guys do is super powerful, and you do this work that, um, when I try to describe it pe- to people, they're often like, like, they don't quite get why you would do this. You know, why you would, I, you know what, why don't you tell me what your work is? So for people who don't know, what do you guys do? So basically, uh, starting three and a half years ago, uh, I started... Uh, photographing animals and I never 
never saw it as just photographing certain types of situations that animals were in. It was just any kind of injustice that was happening to animals. So I basically say I cover a vast spectrum of injustices that are happening on non-human animals uh, for all types of reasons and all types of places. So um, I, you know, covered some stuff that, you know, other people have already covered, although not at the same places, but such as like dairy farming. But then I've covered a lot of other stuff that people have never even heard of before that's been going on just as long as some of this other stuff or even longer, but that just hasn't, uh, just hasn't got out in the spotlight yet, ever. Is there any of that stuff we can talk about? I know there are certain things that I know about that I don't think everyone is supposed to know about yet. Is there anything in there that we can discuss yet? Yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you want to bring something up and talk about it, I, I'll, I'll let you know if we can talk about it. <laughs> the can we talk about the the pig thing? Uh, the pig events. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fine. So, <clears throat> uh, one time I was driving on a shoot to the San Antonio Zoo. I couldn't believe this billboard I saw. It was for uh, something called the Wild Hog Wild Hog Explosion, and uh, you could see a guy grabbing like a feral hog as if this was some kind of like competition, and it just looked really violent to me. And I, I found out what it was, and it's basically these events where teams of two go into a ring. And they chased down a feral hog who was previously trapped and had their tusks removed and often, I think, have their teeth removed. Then they throw them. The point is to throw them in a burlap bag and run with the bag across the finish line. And the only rule is they can't kick the pigs, but they can do whatever else they want. All while the pigs are screaming and bleeding and getting injured and tr constantly trying to escape. And they can go, people, participants can go as many times as they want as long as they pay for each round. So I went in and shot that. Then oftentimes at shoots, I found, find out about other shoots to do in the future based off things that I observe at uh, prior shoots or just based off things that people tell me that I didn't know about. Like, I thought this was just like, uh, this was I thought this event was only happening at this one place. And then some guys started talking to me and he's like, oh, have you shot the one in? And it's like another part of Texas. So that's how I found out about that other one. It was just two weeks away. And if that guy didn't say anything, I don't know if I would have found out about it. So then I went and documented that one as well. These have never been documented before from like a person who cares about animals perspective. And uh, then the following year, I went back to document them again. And uh, Leah came with me to the second one. Did more like the video work while he took the photos. Yeah. And people, it's, it's. It's one thing to just be hearing about this on a podcast, but if you went and looked at the pictures and saw the videos, like you would, your mind would be like absolutely blown. I was showing pictures as uh, kind of an exclusive thing at the Animal Rights Conference because I haven't released any of the pictures yet because I'm waiting for the expose to come out first. But um, people were just like, oh my God, like, what is this? Where is this? Like, what is wrong with all these people? And, um, it really, it really gets people outraged looking at these photos. They haven't even seen the videos yet. That's even, that's, well, the thing about the photos, which is why I do a lot of, uh, this is why I chose to concentrate on photography instead of video. And I have more of a video background than I have a still photography background is because you can actually freeze the moment and really zoom in on what's taking place in the animal's head because you can get close up and intimate with the animal and see how terrified they are, see how pissed they are, see how stressed they are, et cetera. And you just can't, you can't only see that in a video because the video is going too fast. And there's, I, I've watched tons of video footage of this and you can't perceive uh, the, the, uh, the level of terror that you can in these photos. Um, so I was, I'm really passionate about documenting uh, these events because I think there is a chance that one day there could be enough pressure to get them to end these events. Whereas like a lot of other things, it's, it's good to document everything you possibly can and as much as you can, but a lot of the stuff, there's no end in sight where in this case, maybe there is. Um, to speak to your photographs of that event, like I saw them cause I'm, I, I saw them through Patreon, right? You yeah, post them on Patreon, Patreon yeah. uh, com slash UPS photography. Yeah. So, uh, you should become a patron, <laughs> but I saw the photographs and literally like, 
I don't usually have to take a break from stuff because I've seen like I've seen a lot of shit. Like those photographs are fucking <laughs> fucked. Like it's really uh, gruesome to see. It's uh, it's really hard to empathize. It's not hard to empathize, but it's hard to. Um, I mean, because because we all have empathy, we look at these pictures and we kind of imagine that that level of torture that they're in right now, and it it just it's so. It's so hard to even feel that for a couple of seconds. So I, I can understand how people would want to take a break from it. But I'm glad you went back and, and still finished looking at them. Leah, you're a little bit uh, newer at photography, but like killing it with the photographs you're posting and that kind of thing. Are you, are you also new, I mean, like new to like showing up these type of like really gruesome, fucked up event? Like I hate not having a better way to say it than fucked up events, but that's what they are. Like, have you seen, what's it like to show up at these things, especially the, the pig wrestling thing, whatever you want to call it? Um, yeah, I'm pretty new to the photography thing. And honestly, before Deeds and I were together, um, I didn't go to anything. Like I didn't go to rodeos. I hadn't been to a zoo in a really long time. It's not like I really even had a thing for animals, so I didn't really want to like be in situations where they were there. Um, but when Deets and I met, we were both vegan, and he told me that this was the stuff that he was doing as part of his activism. And I was like, I wanted to get into activism, which at the time I was living in Austin, Texas, and there really wasn't a whole lot going on, just like a protest here and there, maybe like twice a year. So um, this was a way for me to get active. And so I told him that I wanted to join him with it or on these um, shoots. and. He needed more like video work at the time because he was working on a couple projects. So whenever we would go and do these events, I did more um, videos. And then we were finally at the point where I could get a, a camera for myself to start taking photos and doing my own page. And that's kind of how that started. And that was this, uh, this last January. That's when she finally got a camera and when she started like getting more serious about I mean, I had wanted to get a camera earlier before that, but we were just kind of in a situation that that just made it kind of almost impossible. So um, mostly just stuck to the video work for a while, which I do have quite a bit of video stuff that I should um, edit and get out there. I just got to learn how to edit. (laughs) So you've just been doing photographs since January? Yeah. I always feel weird, like... I'm going to talk about myself for a second, but I've been hanging out with these guys for a week and I'm just getting started with photography just in the past like few months. And I learned so much from them, but also like it's like in times it's like discouraging to be like, oh fuck, I'm never going to get my shit together with this stuff. But you're like really kicking ass and it's just been since January. So there's hope for me. And you have some good, you do have some good photos. Yeah, you really do. It's not like every photo of yours, there's like something like totally just blatantly wrong with it. You do have some good stuff, so, you know, how it's very rare that someone actually starts out, like, really well. and As amazingly as I did. I feel like I have more of an aptitude towards, like, visual arts. Um, I've always been good at, like, photography and video stuff, but um, there is there is still a learning curve. Like, I have, a, I have an aptitude, like, when it comes to composition, I feel like, uh, and getting what I need in the shot, like fitting that all in the frame, the whole story. But I mean there is a lot of technical stuff you gotta you gotta figure out too. Yeah. Yeah, and I haven't I never had a thing for like photography or anything. I was that person that was like, I don't understand photography. You just take a picture. What's so cool about that? You know? <laughs> and then I met Dietz and he really put things into perspective for me. And it's become actually something I'm really starting to become passionate about because before it was just like almost a drag that I was doing this because it didn't really come out of a passion point like I just felt like it was a necessary thing which it is a necessary thing and I feel like everyone should do it but once the ball started rolling and I saw that I'm actually really decent at it um it's become definitely more I've become more passionate about it especially since I've seen my own stuff grow and just get better right once you once you take pictures and you're like wow this is like good enough to like share with the rest of the world and they're it's going to be something new to them like they've never seen a picture like this before like it's it's a cool feeling not that it's necessary for someone to be good at taking photos to 
go out there and document. I think everyone should be doing this, but it helps to get better to show a point because it's one thing to paint the picture. It's another thing to focus on what the animal is actually going through. Um, we all know that they're in these terrible situations, but whenever you put that person, that's when you give that someone that's like show that there are someone in their eyes and you show the suffering in their eyes. I feel like that's where it takes it to the next level. And I find that to be the difference between his photography and my photography and a lot of other people's photography is because it's more of like just taking the photo and just posting it. But it's another thing to um, actually capture who that someone is. I, I like to, I do a lot of close-up work of animals' faces to to really, you capture, know. Capture who they are. Yeah, and really show, like, this is this is undeniable. Like, you cannot argue that there is no consent here. There is no comfort here. Like, this is not the life that they want to be living. This is not a situa situation they want to be in, like. This, this should never happen from this point on because there's evidence right here in this photograph. This proves that they don't want to be doing this. This is not right. So It's like we might not speak the same language, but say you go, um, everyone has access to zoos. And if you go to a zoo and you, um, most of the time when, you're, when we're there, you see all these normal people around us. Of course, they don't acknowledge the speciesism that's going around, around them. But in some cases, they do. They'll sit there and literally say, oh, these animals look depressed. They look sad. Um, but whenever you're able to capture that and freeze the moment, you get to sit there and study it and see the suffering in their eyes. And it's so undeniable that this is fucked up and wrong, that this is what not, it should not be happening. Yeah, and uh, we've been to a good amount of zoos together at this point, and you, you, see the, you see the negative aspects of the animals everywhere, about, like, you know, the, the despair and the loneliness and depression and stress, etc., and you hear the humans make comments about this at every single zoo. And actually, it was uh, years ago seeing, uh, I somehow stumbled upon pictures of a photographer took of close-ups uh, close of zoo animals. And I saw all those horrible expressions on their faces. And I was like, well, if I was in this situation behind these bars, I would, I would be the same exact way. And that that got me to start thinking about animals like as persons that was what changed it to me and i i didn't it didn't change my diet or anything uh all it did after seeing that it made me really against captivity so from that point on right after i saw those pictures i was against zoo all zoos i was against marine parks like sea world i was against uh pet stores like people buying fish and keeping them in little you know fish bowls and tanks so that's like what those pictures did to me. But then when I when I decided to switch from shooting plant exclusive food to shooting animals, uh, I always thought back to the to that time when I stumbled upon that guy's photography and like it changed something in my mind. And that's what I was hoping to do with my photography, along with other things as well. So I know you guys both to be passionate vegans and really passionate about animals not being abused. But you go into these situations where you're documenting it, right? And and I think we all like understand what the value of that work is documenting it, but at the same time, you're around this like horrific animal abuse and having to sort of pretend that you're on board with it. How how do you do that? Like, how do you do? How do you? What's your like? What's it feel like on the inside? You know. I mean, it's like pretty automatic. It's not something you have to really work hard about. You kind of go into this like different mental zone when you're around these people and you you just tell yourself like oh I don't care about these animals like I'm okay with with what they're doing and you know you'll you have private thoughts in your head that of course you don't express about like oh my god this is so fucked up what they're doing right here but that that those feelings don't ever get in the way of actual dialogue you're having with these people and so you just you just talk to them like everything's cool and um, you know, sometimes you make jokes about something or I, I try to make people laugh, try to get them comfortable. Um, and it's, I mean, it's hard because a lot of these people don't even seem like they're, you know, decent people beyond this thing that's going on right here. Like a lot of them seem like very unfriendly and cruel. And, you know, it's crazy that if they, if they found out like who you really were, 
even though you're not you're not doing anything to b- bad to them you're just trying to you're getting in here to to just show what the animals are going through they would they would still like want to kick your ass and stuff honestly i find it almost as if it's like normal life like every day mm. i'm surrounded by non-vegans who are using and abusing animals all day long i mean i work with a bunch of non-vegans and um you know they sit there and stuff their faces full of babies so it's not really that much different um the only difference is going into a farm versus someone who's already eaten the animal it's the direct correlation so it's just like i'm already on like my mindset is already going with with the flow of what has to happen because this needs to happen um it needs to be documented because it's not about me because in a couple hours i get to leave i get to go there take photos and then walk my happy ass off the farm i don't have to stay so when i going through it yes it's definitely hard like being there and witnessing the use and abuse and hearing like babies cry for their mothers when we're on like dairy farms and stuff it's pretty fucking awful absolutely but you know it's not about me and it's not about how i feel it's about getting that photo and being able to expose it to the world cuz that's what needs to happen and then you know i can deal with the aftermath after which it does affect me absolutely 100% but i can't sit there and think about me and myself and my feelings when i'm going to be fine afterwards yeah it's like sometimes you know going into a shoot the priority seems like getting the best shots possible but then once you're on 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 location yeah the priority sort of becomes like keeping these other people who have given you access to something or you know in in some situations like you just get access anyway like a poros like the main night takes place on a public street so you don't need permission but you just you want to keep everyone around you comfortable you want to keep the suspicion at a bare minimum or even non-existent so I do want, I do always want to get the best pictures possible, and sometimes there's something going on, and I'm like, oh, I really want to shoot that, but I'm, I'm just like, oh, I should actually just keep talking to this person instead to, until I reach that point where I feel like the, the total trust and respect and comfort levels there. You know hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it was cool last year at Kaporos, especially, like once, because we had some, like, last year we had especially, like, fired up activists for the first time since I've been going to it, which I guess last year was maybe my third year to go. Oh, well. Maybe. It might have just been the second. Either way, I didn't know that you had gone, like, multiple times. Yeah. Uh, But it was, like, we were all, like, pushing our way into, like, the thick of it, and finally the cops were, like, when things were getting really heated, they, like, pushed us out, and they were like, nope, all the activists have to go out. Mm -hmm. And then I look, and there's Deets, like, still just walking around freely, taking pictures, because everyone's like, oh, it's just that photographer guy. Yeah, I, uh... I usually I don't run into too many problems really, and when when I do run into a problem, I always extinguish it pretty fast. Right, because oh. like, see, whenever we do things or when we talk to people, they say all the time, like, "How do you do that? Like, I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd be so angry." Blah blah blah. blah. Perfect example. What did you just say? All the angry activists got what kicked out. The yeah. chill out guy that's just taking photos gets to stay because. At the end of the day, like I said, it's not really about how we feel. It's like, I got to keep my composure because I have to get these photos. And then afterwards, if you want to bitch about it, you're more than welcome to. Or, yeah. um, you know, in his case, he's not going to, you know, start protesting. But, like, um, that's just how it comes down to is that you, you do have to keep your cool because, again, you're there for more than yourself. Yeah, and you have to come prepared. You have to know every time you go somewhere, people are going to ask, what are you taking pictures for? Who are you? What are you doing here? Where are you from? Uh, et cetera. So you got to have all those things covered. And um, you, you, it's also good to be agreeable with people. And also, most humans are extremely gullible, so it's, not, it's, it's really not, not that easy to fool them. <laughs> yeah, it really is pretty easy. And it's funny that people find it such a challenge when they have so many non-vegan friends, vegans who have non-vegan friends. It's like you're fine with animal use and abuse all around you anyways when you're hanging out with your non-vegan friends. I don't see why this situation's any different. Yeah, that's a good point. In addition to the work that you do photographing these brutal animal abuses, there's another side to what you guys do too. And I feel like it's super important to say, what t- can you tell me about the sanctuary stuff? 
Yeah, so at this point, we've been to about 13 sanctuaries in like the, two, the last like two and a half years together. Um, we find it very important to photograph the plight or peace of our fellow earthlings because it's really important to show um, animals that get to be ambassadors for the others um, at these sanctuaries. Sanctuaries are so important to our movement. You know, as um, activists, we fight for animal liberation, but we also need to remember that there is that life that needs to be taken care of after liberation, and that is what these sanctuaries do. And we love going to them um, to photograph to see, like, you know, where these animals have been and where they, where they go and the happiness that can be found in them and whenever they get to live lives that are according to their own. Um, it's, it's very therapeutic, too. Like, 99% of the time around animals, like, you know, they're miserable or they're being tortured in, you know, manifold ways. And... Uh, it's just nice being somewhere where the and I'm not saying every sanctuary is like this. There's you know, not so great sanctuaries too that places that aren't technically sanctuaries, but they call themselves sanctuaries. But of course, we focus on places that we feel are legit sanctuaries, and it's just really nice being with animals who who you feel, who you can tell are comfortable with the life that they're living in. They've overcome like their 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 past which was full of abuse and oftentimes neglect and um, it's nice not to <laughs> go home and look at your pictures and see all this torture in their faces right like this one sanctuary we visited this week, past weekend was um lighthouse sanctuary and there she had a cow that had been living going through the dairy industry you know having her baby kidnapped and being raped over and over again um but she was able to be saved because apparently the farmer thought she was like a sweet cow and didn't want to like kill her so they reached out to the sanctuary to save her and um she happened to be pregnant whenever she got there and she, right now she's getting to raise one of her babies for the first time ever and being there to witness that and to capture the footage I've got some amazing photos from it that I just absolutely love and I just love being able to show that contrast um to what we do the contrast is is so vital to just show what a, a baby cow looks like on a dairy farm. You'll you'll see how stressed out and, you know, terrified they are. You can just tell they, they just want to be protected and loved and nourished so badly. And then just show a, a calf at a sanctuary who who feels loved, who feels protected, who feels safe and nourished to an extent. And, like that with any kind of animal I've seen. I went on a website, I think it was maybe Farm Sanctuary or something a few years ago, and they had, um, like, uh, you could see the transformation of animals. You could, you would see the picture that they took of animals, like, when they rescued them. I don't even, th I think they took the pictures of the animals where they were. They didn't even wait till they got back to the sanctuary. And, you know, they looked like, you know, they were, like, on their last hour of life. They were just in such horrendous condition. And then I think you click the image or you click the next image or whatever, and you see their transformation like a couple weeks later, a month later or whatever, and they look completely great. And it's just like, you know, these animals are coming from, a lot of these animals are coming from small farms. It could be, you know, someone's like backyard or something. It's not like factory farms are the only bad thing. Like it's all bad. It's like seeing the life come back into their eyes. Or their their first life, like they've never even had life. Right, Some... exactly. It's like seeing life come into their eyes. Right. Instead of just always having to see the suffering. And I mean, that's that's got to be so amazing to them to to experience this thing that they could have probably never even imagined being real if everything you know is horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, one other thing I want to talk to you guys about, and it's something you mentioned earlier about wanting a camera, and just you guys weren't in the financial situation to do it. I, I don't think people understand, and like I can kind of especially relate to this because the type of work I do costs money, and it, it's like I want to do it because it's part of my activism, and you don't you just don't get paid. <laughs> so I, I'm trying to find like a clever way to be like give these motherfuckers some money. <laughs> but like the work that you do, like tell us about what what it is like like financially, because you have to have a day job to support this activism you do, right. and there's so much so many shoots you want to do that you can't do because of money because well starting off with just equipment like like it's worth the investment to get good equipment that's going to show what you want 
good quality images. And of course, you know, then you need a laptop and your hard drives, and hard drives are expensive as well, and you need lenses for your camera, so it just starts to get pricey. Of course, like, you know, if you're wanting to just get started, please, by all means, shoot with your camera phone. Like, that is where it should at least start, like, do, do something. But eventually, if you're going to make this a thing, like, you should get the equipment that is um, best suitable for what you're doing. Like, my camera right now does not shoot well in low light. So eventually, I do want to upgrade, but I got it because it was the best camera for our situation right now. And I'm financing it. I didn't even buy it straight. I wanted to have it now, and um, I didn't have the money just to fork over $1,200. So I'm financing it so I can still do this in the meantime and I'm able to make that work. Um, but then there's also the traveling, like there's, you know, the gas, um, staying at places, which we do get some help from like staying at vegans homes and stuff or camping or, or whatever. And there's food and um, sometimes taking off from work to do things that are just so important for us to cover. Some things cost money to get into. Some things cost money to get into, yep. Yeah, the, the whole... The whole financial burden of the thing is just ridiculous. Like, when I first got into this, I, I did not think it was going to be so expensive. But, I mean, I still don't even have a professional camera. Like, I still, my camera is just really not suited for a lot of the things that I shoot. And I've had to spend a tremendous money on rentals because those things that I uh, rent from the rentals, like, you know, I would want to own them. But just even financing it would be too hard. So. Point, yeah. Yeah, there's the cost of all the camera equipment. Then you have to get mem memory cards, hard drives. Uh, you have to pay for all the software that you use. I had to uh, get a better computer for, like, editing and stuff. And then, yeah, tons of gas money, the travel costs, uh, sometimes traveling locally or traveling to, you know, the only the farthest I've ever traveled for a shoot is to New York for Kaporos. But From I saw... From one coast to the to the other coast, mind you. Right, and when I found when I found out about Kaporos the first year, I found out about it. I I knew there was no chance that I could afford to go to New York, so I tried to find a local Kaporos, and I did in Houston, and um, it didn't work out. That was one of the only failure shoots I've ever had, where I actually I put myself through a lot, and I ultimately got permission which was great, and then when I got to the location, they decided to back out right before they started killing the chickens, and they let me stay, but they uh, it was under one condition. I had to lock all my camera gear in my car, which really sucked, but I was prepared to go to New York the next year, and uh, that was really difficult, too, because we found ourselves in like a really horrible financial situation, but it just made it work, and Luckily, while I was there, um, more and more people started throwing donations my way. And, like, I would make a post about how I was going to have to take an Uber ride tonight. And then, you know, someone would give me the money that I needed for the Uber ride there and the Uber ride back. Like, it was really great when when things like that would happen once in a while. But, yeah, there's just the, – the expenses are just ridiculous. And I couldn't justify not going to Kaporos knowing about it because – it's not like there was already, like, a really good photographer there taking pictures and putting that out there in the world. Um, I had already seen what was out there, I mean, what had been documented from, like, Facebook. And there was definitely some good stuff for, like, outreach, but it just, I just knew that there needed to be, like, those close-up pictures of the chickens, like, showing what they go through. I just, I could just tell there was so much going on that wasn't, wasn't getting covered. So, um that became a priority to go document and it's going to be a priority to document until it finally ends. If it, if it ever does end, and it's not necessarily going to be New York every year, but I wanted to do New York again this year because it's the epicenter of Kaporos in the United States. And then next year it would be nice to do Israel because Israel is where it happens the most. So people who like me believe in what you're doing, what I know you've got a GoFundMe going, is it an easy URL to stay? Yeah. Yeah, it's GoFundMe.com slash 2017 Kaporos trip, and that's K-A-P-O-R-O-S. And um, I'm asking for $3,500. That's uh, it's at the number that it's at, just because uh, GoFundMe. I think GoFundMe combined with WePay, I think they take about eight percent. So I had to um, had to you know put some extra in there. 
to cover that. But then it's for my flight. It's for some food. Uh, not for a place to stay because I already know where I'm staying. I know that's not going to cost anything. Uh, the biggest, the biggest um, costs are the camera rental, uh, which is like a completely different camera than what I own and so perfect for this, especially uh, shooting something like Slaughter, which I have a lot of experience with. Uh, the two most important things are a camera that can shoot a lot of frames in one second and keep up, not not a camera that's going to, you know, get a few pictures per second and then it's going to freeze for a while and then you can't shoot anything while this animal's being killed. Uh, that, and then also a silent shutter, so you're not hearing every click, like a loud click per image, because that's just weird to people if you're taking a lot of pictures of someone getting killed. So um, I'm I'm looking to rent two bodies because it's good to have. Uh, yeah, I'm. It's good to have two cameras uh, at one time for me, with two different lenses. So if if something happens and I can only get it with a certain lens, at least it's, it might be right by my side and I don't have to go switch my lenses while animals are getting killed. Um, so and then it's great in low light too. My camera that I have right now is awful in low light. So uh, the whole camera, the two cameras and the lenses that I want to rent, it's very expensive, but it's totally worth it. And then um, I had to get some new memory cards and a microphone for my GoPro because I got uh, some great documentary footage last year. And that documentary will be coming out soon. You'll be uh, doing the music for it. Uh, the worst part of the documentary is the sound quality is just really bad. So I wanted to um, be able to improve on, on that this year. Uh, so... GoFundMe, Patreon.com, also slash UPS Photography, right? Yeah. Links to both of those things will be on my website. The goal of the Patreon is to to do this work full time. I I could be doing this almost every day, and there's there's really that much stuff to cover out there, and it just really sucks working so many hours at a job that is just so meaningless to me when I know. I could be at these other places, like doing really important work that is really different from anything anyone else is doing. Um, I think we've talked about all the websites. You can go to MikeyPod.com to find the links if you can't remember them right now. Uh, thanks, guys, for being on the podcast and letting me stay with you this week. Oh, it was a pleasure. Anytime you want to come out here and stay with us. And there's only one rule. Every time you stay with us, you got to go on a shoot with us. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm totally into it and, and I did one this time which was really yeah yeah great alright thanks guys for sure bye
That was Blurred. It's the latest from Chiasmos. Hopefully I'm saying the name of that group right. I have been in love with them ever since they formed a couple of years ago. Uh, one of my favorites, Olafur Arnolds from Iceland, is uh, part of that duo. Yay. All right. Thanks for listening to the podcast this week. Thank you to Leah and Dietz for being on the show. Uh, thank you to my Patreon subscribers. Um, you people make magic happen in my life. If you'd like to help make magic happen, go to patreon.com slash Michael Heron. And I think that's it. Thanks for listening. And um, I'll see you next week-ish.